Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Muslim Moms Podcast with Nabiha and Warda. We are two sisters with 10 kids between us, sharing our experiences about motherhood, relationships, and striving to build happy Muslim families. Let's get cracking. Today's question is, would you ever live abroad with kids? Warda, would you? I mean, I think I would. I would. I think it would be an amazing opportunity uh, to live in a different country than my own and experience that. But I don't necessarily have any plans or I don't see it happening because as much as I'm very adventurous when it comes to these things, my husband, I'm not sure if he would be down for that, maybe for a summer, but not as a long-term thing. How about you? Honestly, I don't think I would. Not right now. Not at the stage of life where I'm at, because as I have discussed in previous episodes, I now have my parents with me and we've kind of put it down, put, we've kind of put down some roots here. So I really don't see it happening for us. I mean, as you mentioned, it would be great to do it for like a summer vacation or even an extended period of time. But honestly, don't Not see it in my world. future. Yeah. <laughs> but Allah yeah. knows. Allah knows what of will course, happen Of course, yeah. Life. I mean, there's been a lot of people I've come across that would have never seen themselves living overseas or abroad and now do or have done it for a number of years. And I find that fascinating and interesting to see how they came to that decision. So even though we don't have firsthand experience, it's very interesting to still analyze and, and talk about some of the benefits and the challenges that people go through because it happens more often than you realize. Like, for example, my husband, I didn't even think about the fact that he's raising our children in a place where for the first seven years of his life, in, in this case, he lived in a different country than America. And so now he's raising kids that are young toddlers growing up in a different land. And so that does impact your parenting. And we look at, start talking to people, especially in our global Muslim community. There's so many people who have this shared experience. And so we're Guyanese. We we come from, our parents immigrated from Guyana. And we actually have a sister-in-law who was born and raised in Guyana and moved here after getting married to my brother. And so she has shared with me some of her experiences now being you know, a full adult raising her own children in a, a country completely different than the one she grew up in. Of course, there's always similarities. But one of the things, you know, just to jump right in, is that she mentioned the differences in the way that children, for example, address adults. Like growing up, she was saying that parents taught their children to address older people with a lot of respect, such as like a title, uncle, aunt, sister, uh, madam, Mr., Mrs., you know, uh, but it was never just saying their name. Um, and she said now that she's raising her own kids, they are playing with other children who may be at the masjid or school. They don't really have this same dynamic in their home. So they might address someone older by their actual name. And they ask their mom, why can't we do that too? And, and she has to explain, like, I just, this just is not okay for me. This is one of those things that just feels so wrong, um, addressing elders without that appropriate level. And so, and, and of course, there's like a Muslim element too of like respecting your elders and, and getting good deeds for being that respectful way. But I found that very interesting because I realized that my husband is the same way. <laughs> there, his younger brother, he's only about 12 years older than my kids. 
And so they sometimes say, they call him by his name, Ahmed. And they'll say, Ahmed, because we all call him Ahmed. And my husband's always like, uncle or chacha, which is like another title. And it's a really sticking point for him that you cannot just call your uncle by his name. And I agree, but it doesn't bother me to the extent that he's so, and I realize it's the culture, you know, the differences of being raised. I don't know if it's because, I mean, technically I kind of, I was born in Guyana, but I came over here as a three-year-old. So I don't know if it impacts because of cultural reasons, but that's a sticking point for me as well, even though I consider myself American as much as anyone else. Yeah. And so like, that's one small example maybe of what can be multiplied into some of the bigger issues that people might have, like when you're talking about differences of values, which no matter where you are, we still have those values, right? If you if you have a certain perspective on what is a good life, you're going to take that with you wherever you go. And that's going to resonate no matter what culture you might go to. But it can, it can be challenging. It can definitely be challenging. Do you think like the Muslim culture that we live in and then the certain things of adab and respect that comes within Islam in general has an impact on that in addition to being in a different country? Well, that's definitely something to think about. And one of the points that I've reflected upon is the fact that culture and adab changes based on your understanding of that particular situation. So what I mean by that, to explain that a little better, good manners mean something different in America than what it might mean in Thailand or what it might mean in Japan or South Asian community, uh, Pakistan or India, you know, or in the Middle East. So there are some basic, you know, I think values that everyone will agree upon of what, what's considered, you know, being respectful. But there are some stark differences, like, for example, taking off your shoes in the home. That's something that might not be internationally recognized. Some people might think that's bad manners. Some people might say that's good manners. And so knowing the culture that you're in, will also impact the kind of manners you have. And then it could put you in some awkward situations if you don't know those particular norms. Um, And that's why we have to have uh, patience with each other. And and that I see is one of the benefits actually of learning about different cultures and living in different cultures. You do get to see the diversity of cultures and you kind of realize that as a, as a people, as human beings globally, we have more similarities than we think. Sometimes we tend to put these barriers up of, oh, I'm like this and I like this food. But ultimately, you know, we, we do have a lot of commonalities. In thinking about this topic, I wanted to really look up what living abroad means. And the definition that I found is living outside of one's home country for a fixed or indefinite period of time and for a purpose other than tourism. So it's somewhere that you're living and you're staying there. You're kind of staying put for a a certain amount of time, or it could be indefinitely. So it's a very specific definition. But I think in today's world where we have such globalization and people are just choosing to live and work in different locations, because it's so much easier nowadays to be able to go anywhere and still connect with your job through the internet, that's made it possible. And we've seen how drastically things have changed since the pandemic and people have realized certain things that can be happening without you physically being there. So I think a lot of people have decided that if they've ever wanted to live abroad, 
with kids or without, they've decided that now would be a good time because of these certain advancements that we have in technology. So in our parents' case, if you're leaving a country or immigrating due to financial and safety and instability um, or seeking, you know, opportunity, that's a whole different scenario than if you're moving to another country because of a job or because maybe you just want to explore culture or maybe you have an Islamic I know some of my friends have gone overseas, like in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, because they're seeking further education, you know, in some of the Muslim universities. So depending on their reasoning, I think that will definitely impact the approach. Um, And then also going from, you know, a third world country, let's say to a a first world country or Western country. So our parents actually immigrated from Guyana because of safety issues. They had a huge incident that occurred and my mom was really scared to live in that country after what occurred to her. So they did move over to the United States. And I know from stories they have told us in the past, it was extremely difficult for them starting out because my dad did not move over here with a job intact and having things ready and prepared. They kind of came out to a different country with two kids And shortly after they had you in New York. So it was a very hard situation to kind of assimilate to the culture as well as diving into how are they going to live and provide for their children. So it's not necessarily always going to be a great experience up front. I know people have said that, that it, it can be very hard for them as well as their children when moving abroad. And there are certain challenges that can occur. Yeah. And one of the things I think about is what it must feel like raising your children and seeing, you know, we're taking our parents' situation in this example, seeing them grow up in a land where they have, you know, my sister-in-law mentioned something like the benefits being 24-7 supply of electricity and water and not having to hold a hand lamp to study for exams. Like that's a real situation. And and that's a benefit of living here. But imagine growing up and, and having that dynamic. My husband was just relating to me the story of remembering that there was one landline in the entire village. So if they wanted to make a phone call to a relative, um, let's say who lives in a different location, they would have to schedule and have their money and go to that person's house and have their opportunity to use that phone to make that phone call. And my husband's not that old, guys, you know, no, he's, <laughs> he's not. in his early 30s. So to see, to go from that experience to now today, and uh, I imagine my parents looking back at us growing up with all these admitted luxuries and opportunities and just understanding like you will never have that level of appreciation, not not your fault, because you just, you have not experienced that level Before. of discomfort. That's such a great point. I know two days ago, actually, my kids' school, they called us. The principal called like a robocall for all of the school and they were sending text messages. The mom's group that we have was going nuts in WhatsApp. And they were saying that the school's AC is out. (laughs) And it was like, you could, I swear, it was like if a fire was happening or shooting (laughs) at the school, how these mothers were reacting. And my husband called me and was like, oh, the kids... School has no AC. Do you want to go pick them up? I'm like, why? I was like, they have like, why should we be like, it's not, they'll be all right. And, and all of the parents, when I talked to my kids, when they came home, they said a lot of the kids just went home. Their parents just came, picked them up. And that was it because, and it wasn't even the whole day. It was like maybe a few hours. 
And the principal was calling every hour to update <laughs> the parents. I mean, seriously, talk about first world problems. And I told my kids, I asked them, what, what did you think about that? We had a whole conversation about it. And I explained to them, like you were saying, that in certain countries of the world, no AC is a norm. It's a regular thing. They just sit outside sometimes and have their learning occur. So they got to appreciate that little bit. But sometimes we take it for granted that they're growing up in a place where things are always available and always provided for them. Yeah. And again, it's not necessarily their fault, but it's just something to take stock of what is occurring. And uh, as as a person, you know, I'm parenting my children in a country I grew up in. I was born and raised in this country and I'm currently, you know, living in, in the exact state actually where I lived. So everything in that regard is very comfortable and very normal. And I look at like the school system, for example, I'm also an educator, so that makes it even easier. But I cannot imagine how difficult it must have been for our parents trying to figure out and navigate how to help our children in their schools, you know, and especially in 90s America, it was very different in terms of diversity and education. So I think that is something that now when we look at one of the factors is the appreciation of things and people who have the opportunity to raise their children in a country that might not be as um, stable or have these different economic issues. Maybe you go visit. I know one of um, the families that I spoke with, she had a bunch of teenagers and they grew up in the luxury of having very, very wealthy parents and, you know, living a really good life. And the mom who grew up in Pakistan in a very humble beginning, she just couldn't stand it. Like she reached her threshold with her daughters and she's like, they're so spoiled. And she actually took the step of dedicating an entire summer. And she said she took them to the most rugged parts <laughs> of back home and let them live in that. So it's kind of like one of those reality shows almost. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she said they changed so much. And they had such a appreciation for what they have here in America. And I feel like, you know, props to her. That is a, a very drastic move. Um, and of course, they have the means to do that. So, you know, we don't have, not everybody has a means to just pick yeah. up and do that kind of. But wow, I mean, it is something to think about. On a smaller note, I actually thought of that because we've always, as my kids got older, we've always, for them, had a house. And I know we grew up in an apartment. And it's completely different when you live in an apartment versus a house of your own with your own backyard and your own space. So I, I've always told my husband that I would love for my kids to just, even for a short amount of time, live in an apartment just to see <laughs> what other people live in. And it's so funny, subhanAllah, that happened when we were moving and we got to live in an apartment for a good bit amount of time. And it was quite a few of us packed in there for a small space. And that served our family so well, because now that we are living in our house and there's a, a lot more space than it was in the apartment, they reflect upon that time. And they're like, remember when we shared our bedrooms and we all were together and we were. So it's it's even though it's a small, you know, example compared to yours, yours is pretty cool. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad that sometimes people do think about that and give your children those experiences and opportunities if you can. Yeah, for sure. And we, we talked a little bit about identity um, and culture. And that's something I was listening to a podcast and one of the mothers who's American and she's raising her children in Sweden. She mentioned that as much as she loves the differences in culture, that sometimes she worries for her children because they're almost viewed always as a foreigner. 
because they were they're also of Portuguese background. They they're American raised and then moving and living in Sweden. And so the the thing that made it the example that she gave was when it was their birthdays that she assumed they would sing the American happy birthday song. And they elected to have their class sing that cultural song that they sing in their country for people's when it's their birthdays. And that was something that kind of stood out to her like, wow, like this is not how I expected this to go. And so I can imagine that sense of like almost seeing that identity being lost a bit. Um, and so that is something that can be a benefit and a con. I mean, we mentioned the diversity of cultures and, and embracing that, but also being comfortable with the fact that your children are going to have a piecemeal of all different cultures and they might not resonate with you in certain ways. Another example she gave was that here, you know, in um, the US, we have like warm breakfasts. And over there, they have like cold breakfast. And so it was just very different, like just something so small. But it does make a difference, you know, in your, in your lifestyle, in your day to day. And then I'll mention one last example that just blew my mind. She said, like in Scandinavia and that area, nature is really important. Like the children go to school almost in the forest and in nature, and it's a big part of their culture. And so babies sleeping outdoors is very common. And sometimes if you go to a coffee shop, it's very common you might find a baby sleeping in a stroller outside the shop and the parents are inside having their meal and their their coffee and stuff and that was just like wow that would not happen probably here they would consider that parent being negligent or a safety issue so that's the the things where you really break down the nitty-gritty there's some major differences in how your child will be raised and sort of the identity and the values that they'll see as important Wow, those are great examples. I mean, I've heard often that a person from America who's going abroad, their kid may grow up knowing a different language and they may even have a different accent that they may adopt differently. Think yeah, of like the British accent parents, yeah. and their mom or dad is American. So it's a different culture shift within your own family. Also, there's some disadvantages, I guess, or challenges that you may consider once living abroad that I've heard about many times is that the fact that you are away from your family, oftentimes mm-hmm. when you move abroad, you may not be necessarily in the same location or close enough to visit from your family. So it'll take time to build that community, that friendship right. and culture shock is something that can happen to not only you, but your children. They can go into a school and realize, oh, wow, there's drills for earthquakes if you've not lived in a place with that or different things that may happen that you have to explain and talk about. There also may be a few things concerning safety that may happen that or just the norms and sensitivities that that culture or that society may have that you may not be aware of. So it's important to just research if you are planning to go abroad or you are living. Think about these things for the future, because I know with children, you have to be able to inform them and kind of have these conversations with them. I know if I was going to take my kids abroad, I'd have like a really detailed conversation, include them in a discussion because I know it's so difficult. I, I grew up going to different schools like almost every year and that was really hard for me. So I know for a child, especially if you leave during mid-school year, which did happen to me in my ninth grade year, and it's definitely a hard transition for a lot of people. So anytime you're doing any kind of moving or going abroad or even just going to different locations, just have conversations with your children and include them in your discussion because I feel like having that emotional preparation before a move is something that can help your family adjust greater. 
And I know for me, when we were moving houses, I know it's not necessarily a different country, but one of the things that kind of helped my children was I gave each one of them a small little bin with comfort items that they can put in there. So no matter what location, wherever we were going, because we were kind of in between places and things happening, a lot of different adjustments, they had those comforts and familiarity that made them feel at peace. So if you are going abroad or you have a trip coming up, maybe consider this because it really helps with the children relocating and kind of acclimating to the new situation or the surroundings that's there. So it's, and then also the last point is just try to live as normally as possible when you are adjusting to a different routine or lifestyle or transitioning into a different place. Try to have your brace basic. And I like to do it by the, the meals. So like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then you plan around that based on school and all of that. So having these routines can really help your child adjust and get them more in a calm place because they know what to expect. Children in general, they like that security. So. A lot of different challenges, but also opportunities here for if you are living abroad. Wow, that was a really comprehensive checklist. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Because sometimes we do benefit from seeing how other people handle these situations. And it is very similar moving house to house. And then, of course, the large scale country to country. Um, one of the things that that got me reflecting on, as you mentioned, the comfort items and basically these these things in our life that we have that don't change, they're pillars and they remain with us. You know, our parents being one of those things, you know, inshallah, if you have your parents in your life right now, um, but what they have left with you, even if they have passed these values, these pillars, and of course, Islam, the deen being the primary one. And so when we think about people who may have been raised in a Muslim country and now they're finding themselves raising their children in a non-Muslim country or a secular country. That is something that is really important. So one of the parallels we had is our parents were raised in a country that was not a Muslim country. It was a Caribbean country. Muslims were known, but we were not the majority by any means. And so the transition to America was a little natural in that regard. They always knew that Islam had to come from them. That was their responsibility. And I have found when I talk to some of my friends who are raising kids, but they grew up in Muslim countries, they allowed a lot of that responsibility when they were growing up. It was left to schools, community. The prayer was already frequented in the masjids, in the community, in the streets. Islam was known. Eid was known. All of these things were known. And so coming over here, it feels so overwhelming <laughs> to now have that responsibility of building the community with your children and approaching Muslim communities and finding that Muslim identity um, and, and those manners and that relationship with God. And so that is something also my sister-in-law mentioned that she has found um, coming from a very strong practicing community where she grew up here in the U S you know, the communities vary. Sometimes the communities are not that great, you know, the, the Islamic communities, or maybe the people's who attend the Muslim community um, programming, you know, they come in all shapes, sizes, and varieties, and their priorities might not necessarily be the same as yours. So that is something to consider that, you know, what role we play in providing those pillars for our children. And we're all talking now here, we're being recording here in the US. And so we know that raising our children with Islamic values is, is something that we think about often. The other thing I wanted to just mention as we kind of wrap up here, and this is a really good conversation we're having, is taking advantage of the country that you live in. 
because <laughs> it's really exciting and adventurous. But when we get down to the nitty gritty, like a lot of the reasons and, and some of the benefits of, of living, let's say here in America are uh, better schooling, access to more resources, more recreational activities, right? All of these things are some of the benefits that we enjoy here in the US. And I'm sure if we talk about other countries, like I have a friend living in UAE and I have a friend living in Saudi Arabia, they have told me different benefits they have of those countries. But are we really taking advantage? Like if we're here now, like wherever you have been planted, wherever Allah has determined, this is the city, the country, the state that you're going to live in. Embrace that and try to find a way that you can fully immerse and, and appreciate those benefits. I know living in Florida, one of the bounties we have is the beach. The beach is surrounding us. We have so much access to the most beautiful beaches in the world. And many, many people just simply don't take the time to appreciate and enjoy and to, you know, use that as an opportunity to um, spend that time there. I know I live in a place where there's a ton of uh, recreational opportunities. And so just something to keep in mind, you know, if you live in a place where there's beautiful universities, colleges, access to education, museums, all of these things are are part of our culture that we need to also sometimes we take for granted and we don't actually realize what a blessing it is to live in these places and take advantage and, and utilize and let our children get the benefit of that. Some really great points, Swarta. It was an excellent conversation overall. And I know that there, we have many more points that we can get through, but why don't we try to wrap up today and get to what's next? What do you have for us? So for my what's next, I have to make a list of the places you love for your family to visit. Um, and that you think would be really fun for your family to explore and talk with them and share that list with them and see what they think about it. That will help to build and foster an appreciation for other cultures, which I'll, I'll, will allow your kids to learn from other people's lives and upbringings. And you may also want to ask them about their Muslim culture and how they think that relates and varies and differs from maybe their ethnic or national culture. Great suggestion there, Warda. For my what's next, it kind of goes along with what you were saying, but it's more specific to your location. I would suggest everyone to think about three reasons why you love where you actually are living mm. right now. Why do you love that place? And if you want to take it even further, why don't you go out and explore your own city? Do something new and fun with your family. It might be just the thing that you that gets the spark for you to start falling in love with your community all over again. Mm. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, be good to yourself. To support this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. For feedback, topic ideas, or just to continue the conversation, email us at muslimmomspodcast at gmail.com. Assalamu alaikum.